33 to 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The king of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Amen. Good morning, church. Um, <clears throat> in, in our family, we were not just uh, celebrating Jubilee this weekend. We were actually celebrating our 25 years uh, marriage anniversary, me and my wife. That's absolutely wonderful. It wasn't uh, without its challenges, um, obviously. I can show you this, my scars later on. <clears throat> I remember I went to visit a couple who uh, were bereaved, and uh, um, there were some people in the room, and the <clears throat> all of a sudden they asked me to, to tell them about uh, marriage, to talk about our mar you know, marriage, um, not specifically about my own, but just marriage. So I just decided to open up, and I told them, um, I started to say, look, especially in our marriage, the, the first seven years was really, really hard. I mean, we were suffering, and kind of, it was very challenging time. My wife wanted to go to the, to the left, and I wanted to go to the right. We were just wondering what on earth, you know, several times we were saying, what, what on earth did we do? Is it the guy I married, or is she, is she, was she the one I married, that kind of thing? And then all of a sudden, while I was telling them, the husband of the house cried out, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And I, and I, I said, why are you praising the Lord when I tell you about my suffering? And he said to me, for a very long time, his wife used to say to him, look at my past, our pastor's marriage. Look, this is, this is how marriage should be. Look how they respect uh, each other. Look how they love each other. And he, say, he, he said to me, uh, he said, he used to say to her, look, have you, have you been to their house? Do you know, did you ask them? You know, today, you know, the Lord revealed that we all are the same. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, uh, but, you know, marriage is like life. There's ups and downs, but it's absolutely beautiful, and, and I'm so grateful that I, I married the wife I have, and that we have been together for 25 years, and um, yeah, praise, praise the Lord. So as, as uh, you know, we have been going through the book of Acts, looking at what made the early church alive and functional as the Lord intended his church to be. Um, today we'll be looking at this, uh, the place uh, of important, the importance of corporate prayer. 
uh, especially on this Pentecost day, it's very, very important to highlight and emphasize how much um, kind of learned from the, the book of Acts, from the early church, how they were praying together. Praying together was a custom. It was like a life. They were doing life together. They were praying um, together. So I just want to say a few things about prayer before we unpack um, this scripture. The first thing I want to say is that just to remind us that God answers prayer. God answers prayer. Have you ever prayed and then God answered, you know, quite quickly God answered and you just surprised? Oh, you know, I, I just prayed. I didn't expect that answer that quickly. You know, like we pray without expectation, expecting God to intervene and answer. And I think we need to pray expecting God to answer because God answers prayer. And, um, you know, secondly, I want to say that God's inter intervention and activity in the world has been undermined by secular culture and ideology. You know, the supernatural intervention of God is doubted as human knowledge uh, increases. There's a, a, a closed universe theology where God is, God watches the drama of the world from outside of it. And his intervention is seen as violation of the natural order. So we seek solution within. We don't really expect the supernatural intervention of God and that we don't have that bold you know, prayer expecting God to manifest, to do something in our world. So you know, the, the very fact that Jesus incarnated and became human demonstrates that God intervenes in the world. And there is no other great example of God's intervention in the world. So our prayer relies on this fact, on God's willingness to inter intervene, an active presence in the world. But Christianity is not, um, and the, the third thing I want to say is that Christianity is not individual religion. It's a corporate life. You know, we're being part of a body, uh, a family, being a temple, a, a holy nation. Uh, when you respond to the gospel individually, you are entering into the family of God, into uh, the body of, you are baptized into the body of Christ. So it's a collective body of, this collective body of Christ, the church that God uses to fulfill his plans in the world. So we have to be part of a body to function properly. Um, you know, God has given gifts to each one of us so that we may edify one another. And the responsibility of edifying the body is not given to a few particular organs, but to the whole body. So as such, collective prayer is one of the key spiritual disciplines that made the early church alive, grow, and be a vibrant witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think the fourth thing I want to say is that praying is not a simple thing. It's a very challenging uh, discipline, isn't it? Praying on your own, praying collectively. You know, you know we, have, we all have a room to improve and grow in our prayer life. Our busy life is, is a hindrance for our prayers. We're so busy and you know, the multitude of things that demand our attention, uh, you know, the noises around us doesn't give us the liberty and kind of help us to discipline, uh, 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 to cultivate a, a, prayer, uh, a, prayer, uh, prayerful dis a prayer, a discipline of prayer. You know, uh, Martin Luther King, um, Martin Luther, not King, Martin Luther, um, uh, the, Luth the, Luth the Lutheran um, the, the, uh, said that, I am too busy not to pray. 
the more busier we are, the more grace we need, the more God we need in our life. So he said, I'm too busy not to pray. I need God's grace. I need God's presence. I need God's help to fulfill and achieve what I set out to achieve. So our busyness shouldn't be a, a, um, a hindrance. But we procrastinate. You know, I'll, I, have, I have a day off on Wednesday. I'll be praying the whole day. And then Wednesday comes. Several things will happen, and then you kind of procrastinate. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll go next week to that prayer meeting. I'll go the week after. Next month, definitely. And then the procrastination continues. And, and the other thing I think what makes uh, prayer difficult is the difficulty to be vulnerable. You know, um, to acknowledge and face our utter need of the grace of Jesus Christ. You know, to be vulnerable uh, to before God as well as to others. You know, you see, the, the posture of prayer demands humility. You know, and that is where transformation happens. You're not only vulnerable to God, but uh, you're not only encountering God, you are actually encountering yourself, your heart, in the place of prayer. That's where transformation happens. So encountering God, uh, ourselves, before God is not a, a, an easy experience to have, to know your heart, to know what's going, you, to know your weaknesses, to be vulnerable together among uh, your brothers and sisters is not an easy thing to do. Uh, because of avoiding that, to avoid that vulnerability, we become professional, technical, and, and then or, or avoid altogether prayer. But that is where transformation happens. That's where uh, God is actively changing our life and, and uh, putting a, a light on, on us so that we may um, uh, be transformed into the likeness of his son. So not knowing what to pray is sometimes a hindrance. What am I going to pray about? Um, so, but, but prayer is, um, uh, the fifth thing is prayer is intensified the need of prayer becomes pressing when our vision or challenge is bigger than ourselves. If the vision we have could be executed by our own effort, by our own wisdom, by our own uh, power, then why pray? And if, if, you, if, you are, if, we, if you, our challenge could be tackled by our own effort, then, then obviously why do we pray? But when our vision is bigger than us, and when we know that it takes God to achieve it, we will be devoted to prayer. You know, when you have a vision to serve the city, as we do, to see people coming to the Lord, to cooperate with God in his desire to save humanity, we will be engaged in prayer because we know that it cannot be achieved by our own effort. God-given vision always, always take God to achieve it. Always, God-given vision uh, um, um, takes God to achieve it. So we see God earnestly. We engage in collective prayer when we face with a challenge bigger than ourselves. We have many challenges today that we need God's inter intervention. But the, so in this text, Peter and John informed the church, as we read, that uh, you know uh, they uh, they um, they came back from um, uh, being persecuted, being imprisoned, and. They, the, the, the elders and the rulers threatened them not to speak uh, to use the name of Jesus. And they came to church, to their friends, and they told them everything, what happened. And, you know, instead of, they could have, they could have on those difficult moments, when they heard that danger, threat, they could have just, uh, dis, you know, engaged in discussion. 
finding uh, different options. How do we do our, our mission? You know, kind of, what are the, the, the you know, how can we avoid this, this uh, tackle? We, I know someone in that, uh, among that uh, elders and rulers we can talk to, try to calm things down. Or they could have engaged in all, several things, but they didn't. Instead, it drove them to collective prayer. What, but the question is, what influenced them to, to, influenced them to choose corporate prayer instead of discussion or trying to find another way. I believe the following three reasons, as it's evident in this prayer, uh, led them to corporate prayer. The first one is they prayed because they knew who God is. Secondly, they prayed because they knew his plan. Thirdly, they prayed because they knew that they were part of his plan. So they prayed because they knew who God is. In the text, their first word was an indication of their knowledge and awareness of who God is. They started by acknowledging his sovereignty. His, they said, you know, his, his, his unchanging, unchanging power, his higher authority. They, they cried out, sovereign Lord. The moment you say sovereign Lord, you're actually transcending above your, the difficult situation that you're in. You are acknowledging that he rules. The ultimate authority belongs to God. You are, you, are, you, you are recognizing that he is in charge of the difficult situation you are in. So they, they, they cried out, Sovereign Lord. You know, they just, just lifted them up. They, they, they acknowledged who God is. They knew who God is and, and his unchangeable power. And their utterance, um, as I said, lift them up transcend, to transcend their situation. And, and um, you know, the rulers and governors might utter warning and threats, but the ultimate authority rests upon God. God is fully and completely in, in charge over human affairs. They say three things um, about God that demonstrated his sovereign power um, to inform their prayer. They said this, the first thing. They said, you are the God of creation. And they said, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them? They said, sovereign, sovereign Lord, you, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything? You are the creator. You made. You are the creator. And, and what are they saying? They are saying, God, you own everything. You know, he is ultimate source. All things come to exist and continue to exist because of him. And, and what they meant when they say, God, you are a, a, a God of creation, that means they are saying, you are not far away from your creation. You are not far away. You are not a distant God. You know, you are not far away from this situation. You are here with us, involved in our struggle and challenge. You are the God of creation. When we are going through challenging circumstances, we tend to feel that God is distant and that we are on our own. That changes when we remember that God is actually the God of creation. He owns everything. He's not just only created the world and, and stay outside. He's the sustainer of it. He's inside. He's involved in it. He's near. That's what uh, Paul said to the Philippians and when he encouraged them to pray. He said, the Lord is near. He's near. He's with you. He's there. He's, he's not far from the situation. He's there. So that acknowledgement of that God is uh, a creation. So you're not threatened by their threats. In fact, you are the one who we should fear, not them. You are the God of creation. And the second thing they say when they say, when they cry out, sovereign Lord, is that you are the God of revelation. You are not only the God of creation, you are also the God of revelation. They said, 
who spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father, your servant David. You spoke, you made, and also you spoke. This is not surprising to you. You have already spoken about this. It is, this is not our situation. You have seen our, our tomorrow, our todays. You have seen a long time ago. You spoke. You, you promised. You, 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 you are a God of revelation. And your words and promises are reliable. Despite what we are hearing now, your word is ultimate, ultimate reality. You saw what is happening now long before that happened. So you know our situation. So you are not only the God of creation, you are not only the God of revelation, but you are also the God of history. And they said that in verse 27 to 28, they said, who has caused even his enemies, Herod and Pontius Pilate, met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, to do what you, what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. They served you, those, those enemies, you, you know, you, they actually, they didn't know what they were doing, but they were actually serving your purpose and your will. You are a God of revelation. You have spoken about these things a long time ago. This is not a surprise. No one is in charge or you are in charge of all the affairs of humanity. You know, uh, you are actively engaged in, in, in informing, in changing, in using human affairs to fulfill your ultimate plan. You are a God of Revelation. You work everything in conformity with the purpose of your will. No one could be able to stop your plans and purposes. You know, although it's not obvious as it happens, as a hindsight, we recognize how you are working out everything according to your purposes. Do you remember, you know, do you, do you know, uh, do you remember some, some of the things in your life, in your life journey? And while you were inside it, you are, while you are struggling, while you are you know, going through those challenging times, you don't really see God. You, you just wonder where he is. You feel like he abandoned you. But, but years, when you look back, you say, wow, you are actually there working out, you know, things and, and changing the things. That's what they, they were saying here. In that difficult time on the cross, when they were crucifying Christ, you were actually the most active in that situation, you were fulfilling your eternal plan. That, you know, on the cross, I mean, the cross is the only place where you, you don't expect God fully at work fulfilling his eternal plan. It's a place of weakness. It's a place of defeat, rejection, suffering. But it was also a place of victory, power, love, and many more. In that, in that situation of suffering and difficulties and challenges, God is active. He's active, fulfilling, transforming, and changing, and speaking to our situations and our hearts. So they were saying that you are in this situation. You're, you are not a God of distance. You are a God of creation. You are a God of revelation. You are also a God of history. So it's in this place of challenging, suffering, pain, and struggle, we find God actively working and transforming. So you are the God of history. This is a God who is inviting his people to work with him to accomplish his purpose. This knowledge helps them to engage in prayer, to pray with confidence and faith. You know, it, this, is, this is what dragged them to prayer, 
change them, not run to different options, but to prayer, to this God, to sovereign God, the God of history, the God of creation, the God of revelation, who is near, who is active, who is working, who is for them, who is transforming things for the benefit of his people and the fulfillment of his purpose. That joining to this active God. So the realization of who God is draw them to prayer. This knowledge helped them to engage in prayer. But secondly, they prayed because they knew his plan, God's plan. It was obvious to them that it is God's plan to bring everything under the rulership of Christ, the anointed one. Despite all the challenges they were facing, this is God's plan. This is God's purpose. This is God's eternal plan to bring everything under the subjection of Christ. He planned the coming, the dying, the resurrection, the glorification of his son, and that he's committed to make him known. You know, they referred um, uh, uh, Psalm 2 in their prayers. Only sh the reference shows that they were aware of God's intention, but also the fact that his plans are, are unstoppable. They, they, you know, in Psalms... Um, uh, the psalmist was saying, you know, he was asking why the kings were conspiring, plotting against the anointed one. And that, uh, you know, that the political powers of this world have, you know, no desire to be ruled by him. They actually plot against him with anger. But God has spoken. It is his great pleasure to make the Christ ruler over all. He actually, it says in, in Psalm 2 that, when, when, the, when he heard about the plot of the, those rulers, the Holy One uh, laughs. That means knowing that no amount of human conspiracy, no amount of human plot, no amount of human, uh, you know, could actually stop his purpose and his will. That Christ will rule. Christ will, uh, everything will come under his subjection. God have determined to make his son known. Yeah, you know, and, and so Psalm 22, uh, 7 to 8, the son is invite, invited to ask that God is, you know, uh, God is um, prepared to make the nation his inheritance and the ends of the earth. He said in, in Psalm 2, he says that yeah, to the son, he says, ask me and I'll give you the nation and, and the ends of the earth as your possession. So, so, no, so this knowledge how God is prepared, determined, and willing to give the nations to Christ. This massive vision and possibility. This compelled them to engage in collective prayer. They realize heaven is behind this plan. They know that this will happen since it is God's plan and that his plan is unstoppable. This led them to prayer, to cooperate with God, to work with him, to see the fulfillment of that, um, that purpose and that will. So the knowledge of God but, uh, and also the knowledge of his plan, this, this, enormous, this wonderful plan that he has brought them to pray. The third thing is that they prayed because they knew that they were part of the plan. They were part of the plan. They were aware that by his infinite mercy and grace, he chose them to work with him to accomplish his eternal plan, to be co-workers with him. They could have, you know, he could have easily used angels and all other means to um, fulfill this grand plan of his. But he chose a weak uh, man and woman. He chose his people. He chose us to work with him to fulfill 
uh, to bring this uh, uh, plan uh, to completion. So he could have, you know, they know that they are not only called to kiss the son, as it says in uh, uh, Psalm 2, to worship him, but also to invite others to do the same and be saved from destruction. In um, Psalm 2, verse 12, it says, kiss his son or he will be angry and your way uh, will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge, refuge in him. So the realization of the preciousness of the opportunity to be co-workers with God, to glorify his son and their inability, inability to do the job without him made them to engage with collective prayer. This is God's plan and it takes God to accomplish it. But our, our uh, uh, call is to be present before him in prayer, to receive the grace and the, the power that needs, um, uh, that we need to, to, to work with him. So they were asking what the son was invited to ask. Ask me and I'll give you the nation. They were asking the nation for Christ as we are asking the city of London for Jesus Christ. We are asking, this is our vision. We want God to work in this city, to bring people to, to himself. We want to see many reality churches all over, all over London, many churches actually all over London. We want, this is what we see. So, so when we come together to pray, we are, we are coming together to ask what the Jesus is asked, uh, 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 invited to ask, to ask for the nation. You, 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 you might know uh, uh, um, a man of God uh, called uh, John Knox. He's a Scottish man who, who is known uh, for his prayer, give me Scotland or I die. The reason why he asked God to give him Scotland is that that bold prayer is because he knows God's intention, God's plan, that for his son, the heaven, the heaven is behind this plan. This plan will happen. So cry out. I, mean, I, I don't know how, how, many, how much uh, he saw during uh, his time, but um, his prayer was very much um, uh, known throughout, throughout the land at the time. So they prayed. They prayed three things they prayed. They prayed, one, consider their traits. They not, not judge them, not to judge them, but they said, but know that uh, what, is, what is needed for us to, uh, to go forward. To Just and look, look at what, what the situation we are in. We need you. Look at look the situation. We need you. This, look at the challenges that we're going through to accomplish your purposes. We need, to, you know, when you, when you see that we can't do it on our own, um, then, then you will release what, what, what we need to, uh, to accomplish it. And then they, they, and the second thing they asked was, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Not protect them, not take them away from danger, but enable us to be bold because they know who God is, that God is actually actively present in that situation. And, and, as, as long, and, and nothing happens without his knowledge. So they cried out for boldness undeterred and unafraid by the ruler's threat. And the third thing they cried out was, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant. So God answered. God answered. The place was shaken where they were. He was shaken. You know, they, 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 the place was shaken. And I, I was thinking that, you know, when, 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 you're, uh, when you are actually shaken by who God is and by his presence, by his you know, by his glory and by his majesty. If you, if, you're, if, you, if you are full of reverence, full of 
wonder and, and really with that revelation of God, then you have no fear to stand in the presence of humans to preach the gospel. So may the Lord shake us with his presence once more. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. And then the next chapter, it says, the next, you know, uh, we see how God performed through the apostles many miracles and wonders among his people. So all those three prayers, were, his, their prayer was answered there and then. So, so they prayed, God answered, so we, would, we should also pray. Our doing for God must come from a deep knowing of God. And our doing for God shouldn't come before our being with God. You know, neglecting the great commandment in pursuit of the great commission shouldn't be the order. It's in collective prayer that we grow in the knowledge of our God. So collective prayer should be our first response to any challenge or to work on our vision. We need to be conscious that we are part of a body, and it is this body that God called to fulfill um, his purpose. So we need to pray for God's will to shape our lives, for God's agenda to be our agenda, for God's mission to be our mission, to say to God, your kingdom come, your will be done. As a church, we should be praying that God will be at work through us. We should be praying that God will help us share the gospel in the city, in the city of London. We shouldn't be afraid to pray big things from God, to ask the nation for Jesus, because that is what Jesus is invited to ask. As a body of Christ, we should ask and, uh, uh, big things from God. We should also pray for God to confirm the preaching of his gospel with signs and wonders. We need to see the power of God manifest in our church, in our life, in, in our, uh, wherever we are. We need to see God's hand uh, and miraculous power working in our life. Amen. Shall we, shall we stand and, and pray together? Let's pray, particularly in this Pentecost day, as we remember the day of Pentecost, that as they were together praying in, in unity and praying before God, God sent his spirit and empowered them. And they were able to preach the gospel and they were able to glorify Jesus Christ. They were able to attract many to his kingdom. Once again, Lord, fill us with your spirit. Let's, let's pray um, for God to fill us with his spirit. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you. You are active in our life. We thank you for calling us into your kingdom, into the body of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, we are your church. We thank you that, Lord, your spirit is within us and, and, uh, and working in us and through us. We pray, Father, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may grow in the knowledge of our God. We may know you more, Lord Jesus, and, 
and that, that you are the God of creation, you are the God of revelation, and you are the God of history. You are in charge over all, even in those difficult situations. Lord, that you are there and you are inviting us to your throne room to pray. Father, we pray that you may draw us collectively as a church to, to, to pray to prayer and, and to echo and ask that which the Son is asked to ask, are invited to ask. Give us a nation. Give us city, the city of London. Father, enlarge our vision, we pray. Father, that, uh, Lord, um, and we pray that, that for, your, for, for you to confirm your word as we preach and share with others, Lord, we pray that you may confirm, stretch your hand to heal and to do the supernatural in our life. We want to know you more. We, we want Jesus to be glorified in this city. We want many to know you, Lord, and we, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your willingness um, to call us, Lord, uh, with all our weaknesses, our limitations. Thank you for your word, and we, we give you all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.